Shelley. And I'm Nicole. And you're listening to the Baby Pro Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy through the first year of your child's life. Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts on all the questions expectant and new parents want to know, such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep, and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. Welcome to the show. Hey, Nicole. Hey there, Shelly. How are you doing this week? Good. How are you? Good. Good. I see we have a special guest today. We do. My little grandbaby girl, Summer. She is so thank you. <laughs> she's so much fun. She's three months old and she spends a couple days a week with me. Lucky, lucky me. Her eyelashes like touch her cheeks. I know. Street sweepers. They're getting longer too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Lucky girl, both mom and dad have unbelievable eyelashes for her. So she was doomed to have great ones, <laughs> <laughs> to never need mascara. Huh. Lucky let's, girl. Yeah. Let's hope she's happy for this. <laughs> so let's talk about our favorites of the week. I will yeah. let you go first. <laughs> Well, I was having a hard time coming up with thinking of one, and then I realized something that I enjoy doing is I really love cooking, which you know, because I really love eating. With that comes meal planning, and so as we move, like today's October 1st, as we move into the fall and winter season, thinking about recipes that I haven't made for a while. So I'm all about the grill and all about the seasonal vegetables in the summer, And now I'm thinking more like roasts and, you know, more cozy foods like chili and things like that. So Mm -hmm. um, I've been meal planning, which actually gets me excited (laughs) because it gives me something to look forward to. So, yeah. What do you use for meal planning? Like, do you write it down somewhere? You just have it in your head? Yeah, I do. I mean, I just think about the things I like and what sounds good and it's whatever, having variety. So I'll generally kind of like think of the things that I generally make. I'll go online and look. I use Instagram. Smitten Kitchen is my favorite Mm. food Instagram um, page ever. Smitten Kitchen is amazing. Her recipes, there's nothing I have not tried on that website that's not unbelievable. So I'll kind of go through there just to get more ideas and Sometimes I'll use a specific recipe. Sometimes I doctor it to my own taste, get an idea. So anyway, and then I generally write it down and we'll grocery plan mm-hmm. accordingly. Do you use Pinterest at all? I'm terrible using Pinterest. I do have a Pinterest, but I'm terrible at it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not that, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of old fashioned. Like I just write it on paper and yeah. like, but I hate paper. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, give me paper and a pen. And I, yeah. I'll use Pinterest for a lot of things, but I don't, I feel like I don't use it as for all the things that it can be used for. Like I yeah. want to use it just to like bookmark stuff, Yeah, yeah. which is the main point of Pinterest, but I see people do like really great things with it. Yeah. And then most of the time I, so I have a ton of recipe boards, but I also mm-hmm. don't cook. Right. <laughs> or like so seven jobs. <laughs> yeah. Things I want you to make. Yeah. More like food porn for me. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. through like that looks so gorgeous. I wish I could cook, right. but I haven't cooked in like 
over two years. Oh, it's not going to happen because I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) But I do love to listen to you talk about cooking because when you're talking about it, you can like your whole face lights up and it's like, she just loves cooking. I do. So I just hug you. (laughs) It's weird. You know, I'm not like artistic in most ways, but I feel like that's where I'm creative is like Mm -hmm. cooking and like decor. Like I love all things in that way. So I think like, oh, I want to make a chili and I'm like, okay, I want to make it better or more healthy. So swap out the meat for like quinoa. That's my absolute favorite recipe is a quinoa chili and got just a ton of vegetables and really good beans and quinoa and such good seasoning and getting mm-hmm. good spices. Like I just get so excited mm-hmm. about it, but it really comes down to, I can't wait to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> like I love to eat good food. So and I remember you telling me, like, I think I asked you a question about a recipe and they're like, and you're like, this is how you start. You buy the basil, you buy, and then you start my face and you're like, okay, maybe you can just buy jarred. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, thank you. Because there's no way that I'm going to make my own pasta right. sauce or anything like that. Like, no, no. Yeah, yeah. And I'm all about it. As a matter of fact, I made homemade pizza last night and I was so excited because the tomatoes were from my garden. Mm-hmm. So I canned tomatoes this year. And I'm oh no fussy. And I just everything about it I get like mm. so excited about. Yeah. So I don't know. My family, like, we're Italian, and so we think every single day, all day long, about the next meal. Like mm-hmm. that's just kind of what my whole family is like that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, my boyfriend's like that, and he loves good food too. So he's all about good stuff. So we get like excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we like cooking together. It's yeah. fun. How about you? So my favorite of the week is an app that I've been trying. It's called Meditation Studio. Uh-huh. By Muse. Mm-hmm. And so nice. I I cannot say that I like to meditate. In fact, mm-hmm. I probably say that I don't like to meditate. Okay. But so much research has been done on the benefits of meditation. Yeah. And I just know that with all the stress from COVID and work and the world basically being turned upside down right now, I know I needed to do something. So I got that app and I think free version, which I have, and then there's paid version. Okay. But you can take like courses where there's actual courses that teach you how to meditate or you can just jump into the meditations. Nice. And they have different collections. Like they have a collection for stress or for happiness or for weight loss or for kids. They have one for sleep and even sports. Like if you're a baseball player, they have meditations for playing baseball. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I will say like they have them in up to like an hour, but they have a bunch that are like two minutes long or three minutes long or four or five minutes long. And I tend to stick to five minutes max because I don't like to meditate. Mm -hmm. But even just the five minutes a day, I feel like has made a big improvement. Mm -hmm. If anything on my breathing and my awareness of my breathing. And I think it's helped with my lifting Mm -hmm. my lift weights because I'm more in tune to how I'm breathing. Yeah. And there's one on that app that I really like where it teaches you like vagal breathing where you inhale for four, you hold your breath for four, you exhale for seven, hold it for four, and then inhale for four. So here I am trying to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And I find that if I'm like feeling the anxiety and the stress kind of build up in me, if I just take even just two minutes and do that breathing, I calm down. And I've been teaching it to my kids too, like especially Hunter when he starts to get upset. And I say, let's do your vagal breathing. And it works. So, nice. Yeah. Nice. So that's meditation muse. Meditation and, muse. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm going to look that up. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. And I like it. There's like different 
you can pick different meditation instructors and you can choose to add like certain background noises or music to it too. She's looking at her. (laughs) Okay. So let's go into the next segment. Questions and answers from listeners. Yeah. This week's question is my two month old wakes up with a prickly red rash every morning when I unswaddle her. Um, I think it's a heat rash. Do you think it's a heat rash? And what should I do? Mm. Well, Mm-hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> so obviously we can't diagnose or anything right. on this body. So if you ever have a concern about an infant rash or anything with your baby, definitely reach out to the pediatrician. But if you're seeing a prickly red rash, most likely it will be heat rash. Again, just confirm with your pediatrician. Right. So my first question to this parent would be, what are you putting her in at night? Right. Because if you're unswaddling her and she's got that heat rash, she's probably too warm. Right. Agreed. I think people think that their babies have to be so, so, so warm and they don't. Mm. I always think like if it is a diagnosed by your pediatrician heat rash, you know, take off a layer. Mm. Um, You know, also people get worried about their baby being cold. I'm like, well, just, you know, feel their ears and their nose and their hands and their feet and look at their skin. I mean, do they have goosebumps? Are they, you know, visibly cold mottled skin? you know, they need a little bit, but they don't need, you know, what do they say? What we're wearing for the newborn stage and then a light added layer. That's not a huge, that's not three swaddle blankets or what I've seen people do. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's a light added layer. Yes. So whatever you're wearing plus one more light layer. Right. So if you are wearing a t-shirt to bed, then maybe a long sleeve shirt for your baby. Right. A light one. Yeah. But yeah. And and the other thing to keep in mind is if they're too hot, they're not going to sleep that well. That's right. The body temperature actually drops and that is really conducive to sleep. So the perfect temperature for sleep is actually like 68 degrees. So right. we don't want to make your body, your baby too warm at night. That's right. So, and sleep sacks are the safest thing for your baby to sleep in. That's right. And uh, especially as they get older, when, especially once they start to roll, we don't want them swaddled at night. It's not safe. But the sleep sacks that don't have the sleeves, right. they're sleeveless. I find that that helps babies regulate their temperature much better too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And remember that we're not adding blankets to their bed. We're not laying them on something that's squishy to try to keep them warm with the winter months coming. It's the same, you know, idea that we've always talked about with safe sleep, that nothing in their bed, nothing on them except for their clothes that they're wearing. And these sleep sacks, I feel like if you've got a one piece underneath it are, are like wearing a blanket. So as you would want to have a blanket, the baby has that extra added warm layer they don't have to be so bundled and definitely no loose blankets in their bed. Yep. Good point. All right. Thank you for that question. And again, if you'd like to submit a question to us, you can do so at Shelly at Shelly or you can DM us on Instagram. Our handle is at Shelly IBCLC. And I will put that in the show notes as well. Very good. Hey everyone, I know that having a baby can be a little overwhelming and confusing. If you're looking for a place where you can get all your childbirth prenatal education needs, visit ShellyTaftIBCLC.com. Nicole and I are offering right now an online virtual childbirth educating education class, a prenatal breastfeeding class, and we're soon launching a prenatal newborn care class and a prenatal sleep education course. So you can learn all about infant sleep, before the baby comes. 
So I'm going to drop that link in the notes and you can check it out and we hope to see you there. And I am so excited for today's interview. We are going to be interviewing Kaylee from Meditation Mamas. Excellent. Okay. I am so excited to introduce Kaylee David. She is a divine feminine coach. She is a Reiki master and a life coach and a meditation coach, among other things. Kaylee, welcome. We're so excited to have you here. Hello. Thank you for having me today. Can you give us a little background information about yourself? Yeah. So outside of my business, I currently work in the hospital system as a sonographer in maternal fetal medicine. I've been doing that for about seven years. Upon COVID hitting in March, I actually got it myself and decided to open up a business. Um, So my business is all things divine feminine energy. I help women connect to their divine feminine energy through energetic healing practices. They can take up more space, be seen, be heard, and be sovereign in their power. Amazing. And how long have you been in business? Since May. So we're walking into month five. (laughs) Okay. So, and how did you decide to kind of go into this? So I actually got COVID myself. And while I was laying in bed, I was like super anxious and was going through what everyone else was going through, not only like being on social media, but actually experiencing what everyone else was talking about and didn't really know what was going on. So I've always been in the spiritual realm, like doing meditation, going through Reiki practices, and you kind of forget about that when you go through such struggling times. And I just tapped back into that and it really helped me with my anxiety. And I was talking to a friend and I was like, I've always wanted to open up a business, but I really love what I do. And she's like, well, why don't you tie your spiritual aspects of who you are into being like with the moms and everything that you experience in your full-time job? And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, let's do that. So for a whole week, I couldn't sleep. And I was like asking questions to like my mom friends. And I was like, do you feel like this would be a business? Like, would this be something that you would want to like buy into? Like, is this something that could help you? Like, what's your feedback? And I had almost a hundred women tell me that they wish they had this when they were pregnant. They wish they had this now. So I was like, okay, it's a business. We got to do this. That's awesome. I am such a fan of turning your passion and your love into a business or an income potential. And I think I'm a huge believer in that. I think that all um, people have the ability to do that if they have the right support. And maybe it won't be enough to like quit your full-time job, but at least it would be like an amazing side hustle because I also think that the, the message behind that is what you are passionate about, what you take time to learn about is valuable. And if you go through like trainings and learning, even if you don't go through official trainings and you just gather knowledge, then you should be paid for passing that knowledge along because you have, everyone has value. Their time is valuable. Their knowledge is valuable. So I love that you're doing this. Thank you. So Kaylee, what can you tell us about meditation during pregnancy? Like why would a pregnant parent want to meditate and how would it help them? So there's many things that obviously, as you know, in pregnancy that can occur, especially in the first trimester, walking into the second trimester and not feeling the baby. A big thing that happens with patients that come to my table is like, you know, I haven't felt the baby yet and I'm feeling so anxious. And I think just tapping back into that mindful practice of connecting to your breath can be something that can really relax you. I mean, once you become a mother, like that's as soon as you get that positive pregnancy test, I think your anxiety just automatically is like on a whole new level. You're like worried about everything because now you're not just caring about yourself, caring about this 
little being that you're growing inside your body. So meditation is just going to allow you to connect back into yourself, connect back into your breath, connect back into being still for a second because our mind can take control and just go on a rampant. Another thing too that I don't think women realize is your uterus is a muscle. So while you're doing the ultrasound for us, what can we can see is non-laboring contractions. Now, these are not the contractions where you're like going into labor, you're having a baby, you feel them. This is just a contraction. Like we get them when we have our menstrual period, we get them when we're stressed out, we hold a lot of energy in our womb space. And so having that deep breathing meditation can actually help with those contractions. So what the ultrasound actually helps me in order to get the baby out of that position where it's kind of stuck in between the two uterine walls and just kind of like open up for me to get my imaging. So not only does it actually help the mom because she's holding on to something. So having her do those practice breathing techniques like on my, my table um, while I'm doing the ultrasound, but it also helps me in the end too. That's amazing. It's so amazing how breathing is connected to really everything. Mm -hmm. We interviewed a um, Justine Veluza, and she's a pelvic health specialist. And she was saying the same thing. Like it all goes back to the breathing. Like Kegels is not the thing. Breathing is the thing (laughs) to do. So that's amazing. Yeah. They say if you can change your breath, you can change your life. I believe that. I like that. Yeah. today (laughs) so if if so if a mom is pregnant how do you suggest that or how do you coach them to work meditation into their life and breathing into their life because I know especially during this time there's so much stress so it's needed but there's also you know people are busy right and so they may not have the time to sit and meditate and breathe for like 30 minutes or so or whatever I know that I was just telling Nicole that I've been doing some meditation, but I do it for like five minutes because that's all I can do. And even that five minutes has been helpful for me. But is there like a cutoff where you have to do certain minutes a day or else you're not really going to see a benefit or is it as much as you can? No, you can start with as easy as one minute. So if you've never done it before and you're afraid of what's going to happen when you get into meditation because so many people are like, I don't think I've ever turned my brain off. Like, I don't think I've ever stopped thinking. And it's just simply that one minute where you're just breathing. Or think of like when you're walking rather than thinking about, oh, I have to pay my bills. I have to go and make food. I have to go and like all your to-do list. While you're walking down the street, really taking in like the energy of the sun and how it feels on your face and like the fresh air and like the wind in your hair, like whatever you're feeling in that moment, just being present and breathing into that space of like being connected or, or if you have children already and you're walking down the street, pushing the carriage, just enjoying the laughter of your child being like giggling while you're walking down the street or something. So it's really just being in the present moment is what meditation really is. So you can do that at any point in time and tap into that energy in that space. But if you're doing the sitting down meditation and you feel like you're jumping out of your body, maybe a movement meditation is something that's better for you. So you get up, you throw on your favorite song, you dance without any rhyme or reason, you move your body how it wants to move and that's meditation too. Mm-hmm. That's great to know because I think a lot of people have this uh, perception that meditation has to be empty brain, like no thoughts. And a lot of the meditations that I hear, it's like, okay, clear your mind of any thoughts. I can't do that. Like there, it's physically impossible for me to clear my mind of any thoughts. But I did also hear like a guided meditation where it says you can have thoughts if you have them just just acknowledge them and then let it go. Like, don't think on your thoughts. Just be like, okay, right now I'm thinking about what I have to do today and I'm going to send that back out. Is that what you coach too? 
Yes, I fully believe that. I've actually had people ask me, like, why am I getting so many business ideas while I'm in meditation? But when you're sitting in silence and you're not on your phone and you're not scrolling through the internet of any sorts of like looking up other people or on Facebook, you actually get really creative. So meditation helps us connect back into that creativity of who we are. So maybe it's not about your business. Maybe it's about like, oh, I really want to do a craft after this. Like that's just something that your body's like connecting you back to that creative part of who we are. Cause we're all creative beings in one way or another of who we are, whether that's with music or, you know, how we talk to people or how we draw, like it's all connected. I love that. Yeah. And that makes sense because now that I think about it, I often get my ideas when, I mean, this sounds really silly, but I put makeup on every morning because I like the ritual part of it. I find it's very like calming for me to just sit and play some music and put on makeup. And sometimes I'll just have ideas just float in my head. And I think that's probably the part of my day where my brain is least running because I'm just enjoying like putting on makeup and while I'm listening to music. I love that. That's amazing to have that sort of ritual and just being like, this is my time, like my self-care, but also like I'm getting ideas and this is so awesome. Mm -hmm. So do you ever keep like a notebook and pen near you when you're meditating in case you get an idea and then you can jot it down? Yeah, I always do. I never even thought of that. That's a great idea. That's so cool. (laughs) Because I know that like a lot of people say that they, they feel like they fight with themselves in meditation because they're trying to keep their brain a blank slate. Um, but I'm glad to hear that, that that's not how it is supposed to be or should be. Yeah. I mean, when you get to a point where you've been meditating for a long time, I think in the beginning, it's really hard to actually shut those thoughts off because you've never done it before. So your brain is so used to being like, okay, this, this, that, this, this. And then when you get so used to being in meditation, there are times where I'm like, where was I? (laughs) What just happened? So you get to that point and sometimes in meditation too, to be said is like some people fall asleep for the longest time. I would just fall asleep in meditation and then I wake up when it was done, (laughs) which people think is like counterintuitive. However, that's like your inner soul being like, girl, you need to slow down. Like here's your time to rest and relax. Like you don't need to listen what's going on in the meditation. Like you were just here to like energetically be quiet for however long and like connect back into like your energy and like relaxing. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So when you're coaching a pregnant parent, do you have like a program that you recommend in terms of like, okay, start off with this many minutes a day and these meditations, or is it very individualized to each parent? Like how that process for them? Everything is individualized for the person. No person is the same on every single level in life. So if a mom comes in and she has children, it's going to look a lot different. And she's pregnant on top of it. It's going to look a lot different than someone who's pregnant for the first time. Someone who's pregnant for the first time and doesn't have children might have more time and flexibility as opposed to someone who is pregnant for maybe second or third time and already has children in her space. So it would be for however much time that they can dedicate pretty much. You also don't want to have them sitting there for an hour unless they've already been doing this, like I said, because their mind's going to be in a different space. So I would say anything from about 20 minutes to like 30 minutes to get started is like the optimal time. That's awesome. Yes. My question, um, what about meditation during labor? (laughs) Hmm. I like that idea. Yes. So laboring is, I think, 
a part of what I'm doing in my business is creating conscious feminine cycles. So that's a conscious menstrual period. That's a conscious laboring and birthing and pregnancy um, and conscious postpartum. Because for so much of our time, we have been told that like it needs to be shameful, painful, and guilty. Mm-hmm. In all those courses, like think of what we were told when we first get our period. Like we're shameful of that. Think of what we say when we hear the word contractions. Like we already get bottled up when we hear that. Mm-hmm. So it's changing that mindset of being like surgeons. Like it's a big thing that's talked about in the spiritual and conscious community is reframing the word contractions contractions into surges so that you're relaxed. Now, breath work alone is going to take you out of your head and help you in your body. Like I said, you change your breath, you change your life. So as you go into that laboring process is really focusing on doing like a box breathing where you're counting in for that four count and then you breathe out for that four count. And I think that alone is going to change the laboring for, for so many people. Cause if you can relax your muscles, when the word contraction is constricting, if you say like, okay, I'm getting a surge, I'm going to breathe into this when you can help that pain. Right. Right. And if anything, it helps you stay present in your labor and not, like maybe minimize distractions going around you because depending on where you're giving birth, like there's all sorts of things that can be going around you and that just, you know, if you just disrupt that natural process and throw your hormones off so the oxytocin is not being released as well. Um, it's, it's, and I found as a doula, I always found that women at some point during the birth would retreat inwards and you, they couldn't answer you if you were asking them a question. And as a doula, I knew, okay, it's almost time. The baby's almost here. But I almost wish sometimes that that would happen earlier in the labor because I feel like once the parent retreated inwards, things usually went smooth. I mean, they didn't feel smoother because that was like the, baby, the birth is rocking and rolling at that point. But I feel like things progressed yeah. smoother for parents. So I love that. I love that. Yeah. Think of all the people that are walking in and out of the room. So it's like nurses, they're coming in so often to take like blood pressures and do all these things. And like that alone is when somebody sees somebody in scrubs, and like a white coat, they're like, Oh my God. Like, so just being connected into that breath and being like, I'm in a safe place. Like my body knows what it needs to do. Like really talking to yourself, like on that, like, how would you talk to your best friend that's going into labor? You want to talk to yourself that way too. And that's another form of meditation is affirmation part of it mm-hmm. and just speaking to yourself how you would speak to your best friend or someone that you really really love oh I love that I, I once did a challenge where I had to for one month every day look in the mirror and say I love you to myself <laughs> and it was like it was so cringy for me like I didn't like doing it but I found by the end of the month I was like okay I can see the appeal So I do emotional freedom technique, which is tapping on the energy meridians that acupuncturists use. And if you stand in the mirror and you do that with like your limiting beliefs, and then you go into more of the positive, more empowered thoughts, a lot of people cry. Because how many times have we ever looked in the mirror and been like, I really love you. You are beautiful with everything that you're presenting in this mirror. Like, I love your hair. I love the way that you're curvy and you're powerful. Like people are like, I've never said that to myself before. And I'm like, I know, I know none of us have. None of us have. And that goes back into how we as women were taught by a lot of what's going on in society. Like we were taught to be ashamed of ourselves. We were not taught to empower ourselves, to embody our essence and beauty of who we are, like our, just everything, you know? Right. And I love 
talking to yourself the way that you talk to your friend because the things that we can say to ourselves are awful and terrible and you would never say that to your friend or your cousin or your sister or your, or your teenager but why are we so okay with saying those things to ourselves right and if you can change the way that you talk to yourself that's another thing is you can literally change your whole life that way you can start bringing in more of what you feel that you're worthy of so our limiting beliefs are really those things that we tell ourselves like day in and day out but the more empowered thoughts that we get and the more positive affirmations, we're going to start calling in things that we feel we're worthy of. Mm-hmm. Better relationships in our friend world, better relationships in our romantic world, better partnerships in our careers. Like there's just going to be so many more things that we're going to bring in and we're going to treat ourselves better too. We're going to fill ourselves up with things that feel energetically inspiring. So like we might go from eating a certain way to eating a different way. We might be going from drinking a ton of alcohol to maybe not drinking a any at all. Like there's just, when you start to change the way that you think of yourself, it's going to change everything. Perfect. And you talk a lot on your social media about limiting beliefs. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So as we were just talking about in regards to the emotional freedom technique and the self, the way that we talk to ourselves is that's all a limiting belief. So I'm never going to get this job. Like it's not for me. They're not going to believe in me. Like that's really you. That's a reflection of how you feel about yourself. Like, do you feel like you're worthy of that job? Like, do you feel? So as soon as you change that limiting belief thought process and make it a more empowered thought, like you're going to attract them. They're going to get you. You might not have the full credentialing, but they'll be willing to train you. Like they'll be like, okay, this is what we need. Or maybe they'll be like, okay, you're not a candidate right now, but in order for you to be a candidate, this is what you're going to do. You know what I mean? Like this is how you're going to get there and then reapply when you're done. So same thing with pregnancy is like, you know, I think as we get older, we start to think we're not worthy of being a mother. I think that because we get to the age 35 and we're like, okay, like, what if it's not in my cards? Like, what if this is like the universe saying that like, okay, I'm not meant to be a mother. We start to have those limiting beliefs of everything else of like, we're not able to do it, but there's so many ways that we can, we can have a baby after the age of 35. You might not do it the way that you thought you could do it, but it's going to come up that if you really want to be a mother and you know that you're worthy and deserving of being that, like you're going to go after it. You're going to go do that. Attraction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it certainly doesn't help that once you hit 35, you're considered a geriatric pregnancy. What a terrible term. <laughs> yes, so one of the places I worked at here in Boston labeled it as geriatric, and then the other place I worked at labels it, it's a little nicer, advanced maternal age. Yeah, I've seen mm. it, yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's a little nicer than geriatric. <laughs> <laughs> it was the way that our billing had changed due to insurance companies. Well, it was the way that that had changed and they were labeling it as geriatric at this particular facility just because of the way that their insurance company had labeled it. It wasn't even because the hospital was like, you're old. (laughs) But it was the insurance company at the end of the day, which is a whole different story. (laughs) And then for new moms, um, what do you see how when you work with a brand new mom, maybe she's a first time mom, what do you see happen typically in their lives once they start to incorporate meditation? Do they report feeling like they're better appearance for it? Or tell me like what kind of feedback you get from them personally after they try these techniques? 
So one thing I always tell people outside of the meditation is in order to heal, you have to feel. And I have someone very close to me right now who is pregnant for the first time. And it's funny because I never thought she would be the way that she is right now. (laughs) So like pregnancy changes you. A lot of what had happened for her is her self-worth in her body. And she's like, I don't want to hear people just tell me like, well, you're making a baby and this baby is going to change your body. Like for her, she didn't want to hear that. She's like, I want somebody to tell me like, yes, I too would feel this particular way. So people need to feel their feelings in order to heal them. Because if you're not feeling them and just pushing them down, like you're not going to get through that. So what meditation does is recognizing like, yes, I have these feelings, but right now I'm being in this present moment of stillness of who I am. And I know that I can change this within myself. So with them is a lot of like, when you start to like, I think it's like a twofold, like those are two things that you have to do is like feel your feelings and reframe your mindset around those feelings and then get into the meditation because meditation isn't just going to wipe out how we feel. It's definitely going to change us and bring us back into that present moment, but there has to be the work that's done where it's like, okay, like what's coming up for me and why do I feel this way? Like about my body, you know, like what is making me feel like, Maybe before I was pregnant, like I didn't like gaining weight already. And now while I'm pregnant, I totally don't like gaining weight because now it's a lot more than what I control before could control before I was pregnant. So with this particular individual, I was like, yes, I totally agree with you. Like I would definitely feel anxious and a little sad that I was gaining weight like in my pregnancy, but what can you do to connect back to yourself and make yourself happy and come back to who you were before you got pregnant? I think that's a huge thing. Even like is becoming a mother and through that postpartum experience is being like, okay, yes, I do have this child, but who was I before this child and what can I do to make myself happy too? Nicole and I talk about that all the time because I think we both experienced the same situation where we developed our entire identity around being a mother. And we both crashed and burned because of it. Now I tell the families that I work with from my, the way I learned from my experiences is like, your child should be the center of your universe, but not your entire universe. And that you should like retain those pieces of your identity that don't have to be with that don't involve being a mother. Right. Yes. Yes. You were a person before you were a mother. So yes. And I say this in relationships too. Like, you know, people yeah. get in relationships and they're like, their whole identity is their partner, but then like, okay, now the partner's mad or at something because they're going through something on their own. But like, who were you before your partner? Like, how were you like dealing with your own stress and anxiety? Like, how are you dealing with like your own energy? You know what I mean? Like they're going to go through their own stuff. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Flying around me. Just had a big spit up. Sorry, (laughs) she literally like threw up as that happened. I was like, "Whoops!" Hit the floor. Like, who were you, and who are you as a single person? Because you're still that person, regardless if you have a boyfriend, husband, and children. Mm -hmm. So, just really coming back into that and reminding yourself, like, and if you have a supportive partner, which is like, I think majority of the battle sometimes. Like, if you have that supportive partner, like, ask them and to like watch your children for an hour and just do like a meditation, whether that's 10 minutes or 10 minutes of working out or 10 minutes of journaling or 10 minutes of breathing, whatever feels good for you. Maybe it's like sitting down and just drinking coffee, like Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> or like going shopping and being like, bye, peace out. Like I'm going to target for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so tell me a little bit about your Reiki work. How does that get incorporated to all these techniques that you teach families? 
Yeah. So Reiki has a lot to do with the energetic centers in the body. So the chakra systems. So the chakra systems are directly connected to organs, um, nervous bundles, and throughout the whole system, our whole body through the center of the body. So what Reiki does is really where we're holding on to certain emotions, whether that be bitterness, anger, frustration, it can really get knotted up in these energetic centers and it can create imbalance in our whole entire life. So if our chakras are unbalanced, then our whole life is going to be unbalanced. So what Reiki does is allow us to move. Everyone has Reiki energy. We just haven't tapped into it yet if we've never done it before. Um, but what Reiki does is open up those energetic centers and start healing them and start moving around the energy in ways that we're like, okay, now we're processing things and we're starting to let go of things and we're starting to feel more open. Like that's really what Reiki energy and the Reiki transformation does. So is that, is that something that you do in person? Like, is that like a form of do it distance and you can also do it in person. So for myself, before I had gotten my Reiki certification, I did everything in person. So when I got my certification, it was in the middle of COVID and I was like, Ooh, I've never done distance before. How is this going to work for me? And I was a little nervous, but then when I got into it, I was like, wow, this is just as powerful as being in person. And I almost prefer it more because people aren't seeing what's going on. And a lot of things can happen in the transformation of Reiki just to the practitioner themselves. Like it can be, we're feeling the sensations too. Cause a lot of times it's like when we connect to each other's energy, like I can tell where the energy blocks are in their body. So what I do in my Reiki sessions is first I do a chakra meditation to open up and prep the system to be like open and receiving to that energy. Then we do the Reiki session and then we reconnect and we talk about like, okay, what did you experience during this whole process? Like, where did you feel blocked when we started? And what do you feel now? And for a lot of people, they'll say something and I'll be like, okay, I felt that too. Like what is coming up for you in the heart center? Like, what are you holding on to from the past? Or like the people's like that are, are creating this resentment and this pain in your heart. Or for a lot of us, especially women, our sacral, which is down in our pelvis is wounding around our sexual energy and money. So for a lot of us, we don't think that we're worthy enough to make more money or like even just pleasure itself is not just the sexual energy. It's pleasure is like, you know, taking time for ourselves to like dance and laugh and do something that feels good for ourselves, you know? So a lot of that's blocked for women as well. It's a beautiful thing. Like, cause when you come out of it, you're like, okay, what I was feeling, they were feeling too, which is kind of cool. And I'm not really familiar with Reiki at all. So Is it like one session and you're done or is it you need multiple sessions? Like how does it work that way? Some people, it's just like a tune up. So for them, it's like they've been doing this for a while. They're very in tune with their energetic centers. Like they might just need one to like cleanse it out. And then they'll like come back in a few months, like every three months or so, or maybe they come back in a year, depending on how they feel. But for people that are just getting started with any spiritual practice, it's going to be something that they're going to want to do a little bit more frequently. I'm not saying weekly, but maybe once a month in order for them to be like, check in with themselves and be like, okay, we did it. Like, what's the difference from when I started to where I am now? And every session, like I do an intake form to see what the difference is. And it dramatically like decreases in what their sensations were before and what they're experiencing towards the end of their treatments. Okay. That's awesome. Um, what else would you like families to know about you and your services? I'm so sorry. Hey, this is Lex. And so she's trying to eat because she's hungry, but she can't get like a sip in without pain. And I can hear it. 
And then she just spit up all over the floor, all over my foot, my flip-flop. We're having a grand time. <laughs> well, this is the reality. You know, this yeah. is, you keep all of this in here. <laughs> yeah. So right now I am offering newborn care classes. So if you're like a first time parent and you're like wondering like what postpartum is going to look like for you, we go over the things that are like the vaginal deliveries, the C-section recovery, um, bottle feeding and versus breastfeeding and like different positions, bathing, safety techniques, even like personal parenting philosophies. Cause every person's philosophy is going to be different. What somebody is doing at the restaurant is going to be different than what you want to do at the restaurant and how you and your partner collaborate and make those decisions together. In that newborn care class, it helps parents make the decisions of like, are we on the same page? If we're not on the same page, maybe we should talk about this before the baby comes out more like fighting with each other, <laughs> like in regards to these, these topics. I do offer newborn and infant care classes. And also the meditation is something that we can talk about and setting up like a package, whether it be like a certain amount of meditations in your pregnancy and then into your postpartum experience. And then also I do do one-on-one coaching. So if this is something where you're like, okay, I feel very disconnected for myself. Like how can you help me connect back to who I was? Like, yes, I understand that I'm a mother. Like a lot of my clients right now are mothers of toddlers or like they're stepping into like kind of that young child age where it's like five and six. and for them, they're like, okay, I don't know what to do with myself. Like my kids going to school, they're at preschool. Like, and I just realized that I have a lot of things that I need to work through. Like, where do I start? Mm -hmm. Okay. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you or learn more about you? Yeah. So my website is meditation mama. So it's um, meditation spelled the normal way. And then mama's is M O M M A S dot O R G. And then also on Instagram, it's Meditation Mamas, spelled the same way, M-O-M-M-A-S, so Meditation Mamas. And then on Facebook, it's also Meditation Mamas. Simple. Awesome. (laughs) I'm going to look you up. Yeah, I love your Instagram. You post such great content there. So I I highly recommend following Kaylee on Instagram at the very least. So thank you. Thank you you so much for joining us today. Um, Sorry about the cry. Sorry about my baby granddaughter here. No apologies, ladies. It's life. Yeah. I really hope some parents connect with you because I think the work that you're doing is so important and should be pretty standard for for people in general, not just pregnant and new parents. So I think what you're doing is wonderful. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Baby Pro Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, ShellyTaffIBCLC.com, where you can check out our online parenting community, The Baby Bistro. You can also follow us on social media at ShellyTaffIBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave a rating on iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks.